This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation with Molly Smith, the corporate doula, as she calls herself on Instagram. Molly is a mama with a job in corporate America. Listen in as she explains how she juggled both lives out of two different boxes, as she names them, the nine to five career leader box, and then all the other hours operating out of the mother box. She very candidly explains how this experience was extremely stressful and challenging as she continued to pump running between meetings. And if you check her out on Instagram at the corporate doula, you'll find nothing but empowering photos of her pumping in her business attire. This is a truly informative interview and I'm really excited for you to hear it. Without further ado, here's Molly. So first of all, before we start out, For those listening, I found Molly on Instagram and I was instantly drawn to her just real life, hilarious photos, especially regarding pumping, but being a corporate mom and pumping in this world and juggling it all. And I'm just, I'm really excited to hear your story and learn more about you. So you're in corporate America, is that correct? Or do you, is it another profession you have? Yep. Yep. I'm in corporate and Uh, I got there through studying speech pathology and realizing that wasn't the path that I wanted to finalize. And so I went to a career fair and somebody running a booth grabbed my arm and was like, she was like, I just want to tell you, I love your hair. I had a pixie (laughs) cut at the time and I could see behind her, her poster said something with construction. And I thought, oh, honey, (laughs) I am not the right person for, for that out they were hiring for a leadership development program and so that's how I got my first foot in the door to corporate America Um, and I I mean of course it comes with really any job politics and you know work can be hard and there are times of overwhelm but honestly I I love it and so what is your actual profession at the moment right now I'm in safety so a corporate safety professional where we oversee safety initiatives, programs, provide resources and support out to field forces. Oh, this is awesome. This is the first corporate mom that I've had. I've had a couple moms who do have full-time jobs, of course, but full corporate America. This is so interesting. I was recently talking to somebody who is kind of on the brink of deciding whether they want to have children according to their timeline or according to kind of what their profession is telling them. And so I have those questions coming for you later, but I'm excited oh, to get yeah. Yeah, your side of it. So how many kids do you have? I have a two and a half year old. Her name is Piper. And then I have a 10 month old. His name is Mason. Oh, I love both of those names. It's so sweet. And so bring us back for a little bit of time to what life was like before you decided to start a family. What did that look like for you? Yeah, life before kids was, this is very curious because we, we being Matt, my husband and I, we would, you know, we would go hiking around Minnesota almost every single weekend and we definitely went out with our friends. Uh, There was a long period of time where every weekend we were going out on the city and it was just, I, I'm an extrovert. I love that kind of thing. Uh, so before kids, that's what we did together. Um, and individually, we just 
we we had the ability the ability to wake up and do what we wanted when we wanted. So it's your yeah. typical before. That seems like a common theme with a lot of the moms that I chat with. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the standard for a reason, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would say like before kids, that's that was a lot of my life really just getting to wake up and do what I wanted when I wanted with whoever I wanted. And had you already dove into this profession or were you doing something else at the time? Yes, I was already in uh, the corporate workforce. Uh, So yeah, I've never really compared that. Yeah. So before kids, I was, I was working in the corporate world. How did you decide when the right time, according to your career was to start a family or did it just sort of fall into place? I... I vividly remember Matt and I leaving his parents' anniversary. It was their 30 years, it was a significant year anniversary. And we were at this beautiful location in St. Paul and we left the dinner and, and the dinner was just, it was beautiful and it had all our close family and it was just really celebrating love and life. There are, at the time, I think she was one, one-year-old niece was there and so we already had one baby in the family and it was like we weren't I wouldn't say Matt and I were totally ready like financially we weren't ready life wise like traveling and all the things we wanted to do we weren't ready and obviously we're we're both corporate we both have these you know high power corporate careers and so are you ever really ready in that So there wasn't like this indicator of like, all right, we're ready. Let's do this. It was more of this family gathering that really reminded us what life is about. It's about love and life. And, and, you know, that's really what ticked us to, well, maybe we can create life ourselves Um, and how we started down our path of parenthood. Can you think back to that time? And remember if there were some apprehensions that you had or things that you were kind of on the fence about when you thought about that decision. It's like maybe it felt like it was the right time for whatever reason, but inside you were kind of nervous about certain things. So I definitely, I get an idea in my head and I just do it. And there's there's a lot of benefit to that. And there's also moments of overwhelm or, you know, overcommitment or things like that. So when it comes to having a baby, um, right off the bat, I mean, I was, there wasn't anything that was holding me back, but we, we actually got pregnant sooner. Like we just, it wasn't like we were going to try and track all the things um, we were just gonna like be easygoing about it. That's kind of how we are, and so. But we we ended up getting pregnant right away, and a few weeks or a few months. It's you know two and a half years ago, so I can't remember the timeline exactly. But I remember being pregnant and moments of overwhelm really coming in. Like it, the deed was done. Yeah, but moments coming in of like. Like I didn't qualify for short-term disability because I hadn't signed up to it uh, prior to the pregnancy. And with short-term disability, if you sign up for it when you're already pregnant, it's considered a pre-existing condition. Oh my gosh. Uh, so interesting. 
Yeah. So I do remember I was probably like eight or nine weeks, maybe 10 weeks pregnant with Piper. And I'm learning this and the company, this was the previous corporate company that I had worked at, uh, not the one I'm at now. They had just launched their six weeks paid parental leave. And so thankfully I knew that I qualified for that, but I, I went into, you know, getting pregnant and having a baby thinking that with that parental leave and the short-term disability leave, I was going to be paid the whole 12 weeks and then quickly learning into pregnancy that I wouldn't, that I didn't qualify for part of that. And I think that was one of the first moments of my parenthood journey where I, I felt that backlash of like, you're doing quote unquote, everything right. You know, you, you're, you're having the baby, you have the home, you have the family, but you're doing it all right, but we're not going to support you. We being like society, right? I was very, very fortunate that the company that I was at offered six weeks paid because they were just doing that out of business, right? That wasn't through insurance or any disability from that was the company honoring for what they could parents who, uh, you know, were having babies or adopting babies. Yeah, but a lot of companies don't do that. They don't have anything. Yeah. Or they, you can take the time a off, lot but don't. it's not paid. Right. And the company that I'm at now is even one step uh, above what the company I was at with Piper. So with Mason, I had six weeks parental. And the company I'm at now, they provide short-term disability to all associates. So when I started, I just automatically had short term. So I was able to be paid this last leave for all the the whole 12 weeks. And it's just so significant to be able to be at home, rest, recover, yeah. and and really redefine yourself in this new life and not have to worry about how do we get groceries? Yeah, exactly. How formula how do you know how do we get the diapers and the wipes and and feed ourselves and all the things you know financially speaking so that's clearly something that moms or women I should say should look into before even getting pregnant right to double check because if they should apply for that before they're even pregnant yeah and it's sad that's a sad truth but that's something that you know, it. For, we were fortunate that we were able to get through it, and I could take twelve weeks in that first time I was postpartum, where six weeks were unpaid. But that is a huge thing that should be considered if you're going to be having a baby in the U.S. You know, look into what your company offers. Look on, you know, look into your specific financials if your company doesn't offer paid leave or you won't qualify for short term. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Wow. So how has raising a child changed or influenced at all how you approach your job or how, or has it not? So it's, it is a very curious question to ask how parenthood influenced, uh, you know, how I led in business too. And really the first time that I returned to work, I in the middle of returning to work was offered another job at my current company. So I did have the significant transition just back into uh, the world as now a mother and then a huge transition in 
my career. Was it like a promotional job or was it just a yeah. job? It, it was a very, like, it was a significant leap in my career. Uh, and it was all, like, all of that was really beneficial. The, the thing that I noticed, you know, and this didn't happen overnight. The thing that I noticed was from the time that I returned to work and then started my new job. I mean, that was a short period, like three weeks, maybe max that all of that happened. And then the consistency came in at my new job and just really running full force, leading well in this new career and doing the same in my mothering, but operating out of two different boxes. It was like from quote unquote, nine to five, I was operating full force, leading well in my career box. And then when I, you know, any hours that I was home, I was in the mother box. Even though at work I was pumping, it was really stressful. I was racing from meeting to meeting, you know, getting to the, the mother's room and hooking up and just like not, it just wasn't a great experience and a ton of pressure on like output because there's this concept that you're not with your baby who's like 14 weeks old you know you're not with your baby and then you know you're at work and you're pumping and so there's that like hey you're still being like you're the best mom for your baby but there's something tied to those ounces where it's like Well, I, you know, I remember feeling like, well, I can't, you know, I'm not even with my baby. I can't even produce X amount of ounces. And that just being something I was internalizing and it just kept building and building. And it was just never really a good experience. It was always really stressful. I'd be in the mother's room, like pressing down on my breast, trying to squeeze out while I was pumping anything that could come out. and I wasn't, you know, it, I was getting enough to make a bottle in a day, at least sometimes too. like, but there was something in my mind that I needed to be like, filling all the bottles that my baby could ever need in her life. I don't, it was just this really unrealistic approach to it. Yeah. And, and so honestly, the pumping situation was a really, it just wasn't great. Did that have a lot to do, you think, with the stress of the new job? No, no, because at least for me, stress at work, it does come in and and out. There are definitely periods where there's more overwhelm than not. Um, But that's not, at least in that, well, the, the output, I would say, is very similar this time around. And nothing has changed as far as there are different seasons, whether you're, you know, in corporate America, not in corporate America or at home where your times are more stressful than not. And so comparably my output has been the same from the first time I was postpartum till now. Um, It was more of just the experience itself was it's starkly different. So I was pumping in that first box, you know, and and then I'd go home. But the other component was there were many times, I'm fortunate that I have this, but there were many times where I had to work from home. Um, You know, the baby was sick or the baby was up all night. And I remember feeling very insecure about that being like, well, 
I'm not in the office and, you know, what are people thinking? Really starting to go down that rabbit hole. And, you know, even though I was executing at a high level, both in my work with my corporate job and my mothering job, there was just so many insecurities about that. Like why, like, what are people thinking about me not being in the office? Cause I'm working from home and basically doing two jobs at once, you know, to care for my sick baby and lead in my business. So there was that like sense of insecurity that first time. So that was what it was like operating in these two different boxes every single day. So when I got pregnant with Mason, I didn't, I still didn't fully have like the boxes laid out. I just knew that the experience itself was really hard and I didn't love the idea about doing it again. And so I'm like, well, I have to figure out how I don't do it again. Right. right. And I really do love working. That's something I, you know, I think every, every mother thinks about, right. Should they, should they, can they, would they, you know, be working? And I've never been more confident in my life that I, you know, working outside of the house is what's right for myself, what's right for my family. So I'm pregnant with Mason and this is, you know, I know that I'm going to be returning to work and, and I really just changed my whole approach. And I'm like, well, if I'm leading well in both of these boxes, but I'm totally depleted in the experience, then I'm just going to, I'm going to exist in one box and whatever you want to call it, the human box, the Molly box, the <laughs> e-box, right? Right. E-box, the there's, there is, there's the, the children and the corporate career and the husband and the dog and the family and the friends and the, all the things, right? Yeah. So it's, that has been what has made this, this journey the second time around just significantly different in the best way just operating out of one box. So there isn't really a, how is it, you know, having a, a career and also being a mother, like as far as how, how are you in those different areas of your life? Because I'm just like, I'm now living a life where I'm just who I am in one box and whatever comes into that box. Let's yeah. I, I just bring my, myself to it. And does that mostly look like just being present in every action that you're currently in, whether it's pumping or at a meeting or at home with your baby? It's being present and it's also not, uh, it's, it's being open and it's not being ashamed. Yeah. There's a lot of shame that comes in when you become a new mom, whether or not you're speaking it out loud. Uh, and that's just because, you know, we're in the mid- middle of a society shift. So there's not shame where, you know, if I have to stay home and care for my sick baby and also work, there's no shame in that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to say that I'm, I'm doing that. And really it's usually, it's always met with just great support and, you know, teammates at work reminding me to rest too. And, you know, it's, it's it's living a life out of one box, incorporating everything into your leadership, mothering and your career, and not being shameful when the things like you have to stay home and work from home if you have that option, um, you know, creep in or shameful that like just yesterday, 
in the meet in a 10 a.m meeting I started leaking like all over myself it didn't show I had a suit coat on but like the first experience that would have been like debilitating mm-hmm. and shame that would have felt brought so much shame on myself like and it's it's not rational but that's just that was the reality for me that first time and yesterday was I mean I didn't say anything but it was I want I almost wanted to start laughing like yes we should continue in this Smart direction guys, but- <laughs> also I am soaking through my shirt <laughs> Isn't it crazy how, like, I sit here and I listen to that story and I interview moms who have, maybe they're staying at home and they're not working a job, but they're working a mom job and they're juggling multiple kids or kids with challenges or whatever. And it's just crazy to me that I sit here and I I listen to you and all these other moms and I think this mom is a badass, like, holy crap, she's juggling everything and doing it successfully. And what an amazing thing. But no matter what, it still comes back to the mom feeling shame. That's just not right. I mean, I I guess there's no way to shift that. It's always just going to naturally come in, I think, with motherhood. I think if we continue to isolate motherhood, and we continue to not write postpartum into the story, shame is going to inevitably be a part of it. I would agree there. But there there is a shift happening. I mean, bigger than bigger than my story, bigger than even a handful of stories because it's there is this movement happening with postpartum recognition and it is being written back into parenthood. The continuation of that is going to take out this shame because you're right that you hear all these phenomenal leaders speak about their motherhood story, you know, whether they're in a career outside of the home or in a career in their home, leading those small humans, shame always does come into the conversation and born out of isolation. It's born out of depictions of motherhood of what is the right way to look versus what it actually, what, what's actually right. happening behind which I think is the perfect segue into just re-mentioning, as I did in the beginning of the podcast, your Instagram. Everyone has to go check out the corporate doula on Instagram because you've done that and you've just put up on display, like, here I am leaking in the middle of the meeting and now I have to run out and pump. And I just love them. They're amazing. What inspired you to do this? Was it with this second the second baby? Yeah, it's been kind of, it's been an evolution of an idea that I didn't really know what it was about other than really ending the the silence of motherhood. If I could, if I could help one future parent understand this better before they were being hit with it over and over again, then I, you know, I knew I could leave this earth tomorrow knowing that I did I did something significant. And so I started documenting my pregnancy with Mason. I was doing yoga with meeting some online friends doing yoga and just documenting pregnancy through that way. And in that series, I was doing a lot of meditations and a lot of thinking. And I think that helped set me up. So then I I had Mason and 
I was still in this yoga series where it was like everyday yoga for a year. And I was posting that photo every day, either in like an actual post or just sharing it in the story. And so I had the baby and, you know, I, I, the second birth experience was so much more empowering than the first. While the first wasn't horrible, the second I was able to get up right away and like move and I was healing faster and it was just, I was feeling really good. And so I did just a very minimal yoga pose while I was still in the hospital. And I had my, you know, big diaper underwear on, just loving life and put it out there. And then I realized like that yoga series ended. It was right around like 365 days, um, if I'm remembering correctly. But the motherhood was happening again in my face. And the only reason I was better equipped was because I had gone through it before. So I started sharing things like the third morning waking up with, my breasts were three times the the size that they normally are and they were hard to rock and they hurt to hell. And so I'm like, well, here's my beautiful newborn sleeping after drinking as much as he could, but not Mm -hmm. all. And I'm laying here still so tired and hurting, like real hurt, this pain. It's just, it can be so painful, especially when your milk first comes in. So I posted it and got just wonderful support and realized that when I was writing, I was writing to process my own experience, but also writing to bring in anybody else who had been in it before my time, in it currently or in the future. And that's really when the idea started to be born of like using my story to reach other people so that their story can be less isolated. The pumping came into play because that's just kind of where my story, story shifted, right? Turned to, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love every single photo. I think it's really, really amazing. And thank you. I definitely think that there are moms out there. I know one for sure. And I know that there's going to be many, many more that see that and just feel empowered that they can make it all happen. And the raw aspect of the photos, I think is what is just so beautiful. So touching just a tiny bit on this pumping idea, can you just talk just for a little bit about pumping in the corporate world and what that's been like for you? I've heard a couple of different experiences and it seems like you do have a fairly decent setup with a room and all of that, but what just I don't know whether it's one word or just how can you explain this experience for you? <laughs> one word. Right away, I'm like draining, like literally and figured. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, for for me, I've been fortunate and I do have a room with a chair and a sink and a fridge and in a room that continues to get better and better to build in more of like the soft touches that mother's room should have. So I've been really fortunate in that regard because we really do have a problem. We have a problem in the U.S. and we have a problem around the world where these spaces are not being provided and women are going out to cars, sharing cars to pump in, hot cars, freezing cold cars, you know, pumping in closets and bathrooms and anywhere that you can plug in or get some sort of space to set up if you have a... Yeah, I just had a conversation just yes, uh, two days ago with 
a couple girls and one of them was saying, oh, my sister would just pump in, in the stairwell. Yeah. It's like, God, it's just, that's awful. But I think I've had one other, I think it was one other, maybe more than one, but I've had one other interview with a mom and we really talked about this and, and just empowering other women to just speak up for what A, is the law and B, is just their right as a human and as a woman and as a mom. And you're doing one of the most amazing things in supplying another human with life and sustenance. And that should be supported in the best way possible. Yeah. I mean, it just goes back to what I said at the beginning where it's like you become a mother and you've met some ridiculous thing of like, okay, you've done the next step, but there's no support for you. And what I would say for all of the women and listening that either you, you know, for women, you're, you're done pumping. uh, You never want to pump You become a parent whoever's listening, this isn't about like, if you are ever going to go through it yourself, because you may not what choice or not, you may not go through pumping or, you know, feeding by breastfeeding uh, a small human, but we can all agree that we all know a mother. Absolutely. And yeah, when, when we recognize it as that, we can add in more inclusion to this movement that it's not you you who pumped in the stairwell, you're not the only person that needs to speak up about this. Me, I, I've never had to do that. I will speak up for that, that that's absolutely unacceptable. So it's, it, it's making the conversation inclusive too. And personally for yourself, how have you I mean, you talk about having this one box now, but is there any other sort of mental shift or adjustments that you've had to make to yourself personally when you're going to allow that time to pump? So I, I mean, three weeks in, I introduced formula to my baby. My perspective shift with pumping at work, because there are certainly times where I, I am still racing meeting to meeting and getting into the mother's room and only getting X amount of ounces and in not being stressed, like what I, you know, whether I get one ounce or eight, I know that my baby is being fed and whatever I'm giving him in addition to formula and purees and the solids that he's on, that's, that's amazing. And so there's been a huge perspective shift that you know, I'm not, I'm not the sole person on this earth responsible for feeding that baby. And so what I can do is great. And what other people can do and what other resources we lean on to, you know, nourish the small child is also great. Yeah. Giving yourself a little pat on the back for just whatever it is that you've been able to supply. Right. Right. Just to wrap up this little part of the segment, what advice would you give women who are in the corporate world looking to start a family and all of that apprehension that comes with that? What would you say to them? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I would say that you one, whether you are in the corporate world or not, really think about the why behind coming becoming a parent. In, a, in the best way, know what makes it, you know, 
what you want in your life. The next step, if you are working outside of the home and, you know, in that corporate high-powered job, really any job, check in with what your disability is going to be. Will you get paid? How will you get paid? Uh, Do you have FMLA? And then when it goes into the third bucket of considerations being like, how fast do you want to climb? Are you content where you're at? Do you feel safe in your job that you have a child uh, and you know you're content in your job, but you know that you're you're gonna you're gonna miss work. Both both mothers and fathers miss work when they have small humans. So are you safe in that job where if you're missing work, you know, or you're needing to work from home, you know, more than you ever have uh, to accommodate the small human? Are you confident that you're you're in a business that's going to support you? And if you're already pregnant, that's a different way you go about it. If you're if you're not already pregnant or you're not, you know, you're in the adoption process and it's not looking like it's happening right away, I would recommend you start the conversations. Even even with mothers' rooms, you know, it's you don't have to already have a child to start these conversations at your work. It's not going into combat. It's going into conversations. Let's talk about what we're doing as a business and how we're leading in this space and how we're supporting. Um, and I mean, that would be my best advice when it comes to climbing in your career as a parent. Uh, my best advice is really move to that one box. Don't be, don't be ashamed that your leadership comes with uh, a family. It's, it's really, it's a beautiful thing. And it's a thing that it's becoming a mother has given me more perspective in life and more grounding to be a, a stable leader in my career force too. That is so right on the money to a conversation that I was recently having with somebody. And I would love to get your opinion on this. And I think it's similar to kind of the advice you just gave, but so she recently got a promotion and she was informed by her boss that in a few years time, she would get another bigger promotion to put herself into an even better spot. That just so coincides with the timeline that she has kind of been thinking would be appropriate for she and her husband to start a family. So she had this apprehension, like, well, what if I go ahead and I get pregnant around the same time that this promotion comes. And she had mentioned that in the past, this boss has made comment to a certain extent to other people about how, you know, you do, when you have a family, it does take you away and kind of prioritizing which you need at this point in your life or at that point in your life. And at first, when we had the conversation, I was totally taken aback and I was really mad at this, you know, boss and saying like, well, it's your life. You do what you want to do and you do your timeline. And if it just so happens that it doesn't work out with the promotion, then you find another job. Or if it does work out perfectly fine, then fine. That's great. And, you know, I'm not in this boss's shoes. Maybe this boss was just having a very honest and open convo with this other person saying, you know, 
do what you need, but just know that, you know, you might need to work from home, like you said, or things like that. I don't know if, uh, at first I was taking it kind of like, that's against the law. He can't say that to somebody, you know, but for, for somebody like that, who's kind of seen with another employee, um, I don't even know what you would call it. Just warning, I guess, from their higher ups. How, how, as a mom and a woman, do you then yourself decide to make that choice and not know if you'll be supported? Yeah. So I have, I have two things to hit in response to that. The first one being your promotion into higher pay and bigger leadership opportunities does not become limited when you become a mother. And I can speak to that. When I returned this last time, I got a significant promotion. So I returned from maternity leave. My company promoted me significantly. Wow. So that's a different, right, different culture, it sounds like. Um, So I'll get to that in the next topic. But it's really important that as a woman, you do not, whether you're already a parent or one day you know, thinking you might be, that you don't see starting a family as lesser opportunity of leadership in your career. That's just, that is so false Mm -hmm. and it's toxic to your life. Absolutely. The the second point, well, and and here, if you're, if you're like, well, I've, I've felt that for sure. You're not toxic. You're not you're not responsible for this culture that we feel this way. Mm-hmm. You, what the accountability that goes back on us as being women is that we have to, we have to rewrite the narrative mm-hmm. there. So it's not feeling shame about feeling that, that, you know, how can I, you know, in two years I want to be at this level, but I also wanted to start my family I have to make a choice. It's all or nothing. It's not all or nothing. And that moves into the second point of it's not all or nothing. And if you're at, if you're in a career that it's making it be all or nothing, then it's time to question that place you're working at. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. We, we can't tie our lives to one company and because this is the thing in that two years that, you know, Someone might be promoted into an even higher level, but they're concerned about, well, I want to have a family around then. What's that going to do? Well, start with that first bucket and really reassess. But then the second one is if, if you end up having a baby in the time of a significant promotion or you lose out on that promotion, your worth is not tied to that company. You, you can then start networking and meet other people in the industry and, and build relationships and ultimately find a company that's going to support the culture that you're cultivating at work and at home. Yeah. And maybe it's even the type of thing, like you mentioned before, starting the conversation before you even get to that point years out, even like even now starting and maybe having a conversation even with that boss, which I know is probably a really scary thing to consider, but even having that conversation and saying, listen, I've, this has been always my dream. I want to have a family at some point. I'm loving what I'm doing here in this career. 
I'd love to talk to you about your experience with other women starting families. What does that look like for you? I don't want it to affect how I, you know, move up in this company because I love working here and just kind of seeing what that reaction is that you're getting back. And if it's something that's positive, well, then maybe you have now an open conversation. And then if it's not, if it's negative, well, then maybe you start to look elsewhere. Yeah, really getting a a temperature of what's going on. But you you also don't want to limit the conversations just to one boss, right? You can ask teammates, you can ask other, you know, leadership members in the company and just to get that whole story. Because the the reality is you could be working at a great company and not have a strong leader as your boss. And so to take one person's opinion not that might not be holistic to the situation, you know, and think that the company isn't right for you. One all that wouldn't be the best approach either. It's it's start the start the conversations and start it with many people. And I think it's really important to reinstate. It's not going into combat. Yeah. It's it's going into conversations. And people, you know, are going to have different opinions about how things should be or how things went for them or whoever they knew or what they think. Differences in opinions, it that's great. That keeps the conversation going. So it's it's okay that people feel differently. Um and if if the the company that you're at feels so different to what your beliefs are, from a whole picture, then yeah, if I were you, I would be looking, I would be looking elsewhere to find a company best suited for, you know, the cultural shift and change and and forward thinking. So the next little section that I want to just kind of touch on a little bit is kind of the the division of responsibilities and how that all worked out for you and your husband. So you mentioned that you, your husband is also in corporate America and I'm curious as to what that conversation looked like in discussing how you would divide responsibilities. Did you talk about that stuff before having children? No. And then, <laughs> and then I thought you were going to be like, absolutely. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And it was a nightmare that first time around. And the nightmare came out, not all the time, it came out really horrendous outlashing from me directed at Matt. And the outlashes really being stemmed from I'm I'm doing the same thing you're doing. I am I am leading in a career outside of the home. And why am I doing everything else for this child? Maybe like he wasn't he he really helped out a lot would help out in the nights and he would help with feedings and anything that I told him that he needed to do he did without question and so it's not like I was you know working with somebody who was not working with me but I felt so mad that I had to figure everything out I had to tell him what to do yes he was doing the help and the help that I needed him to do but why am I coordinating all these efforts so we didn't talk about it at all. And then it was in our face really hard and it was really unproductive conversations and fighting. And then, you know, you get you, children go through different things. And so it, it does ease out 
and then you hit another hard period. But we we evolved together in figuring out where, you know, I wasn't going to be stepping in, just figure it out. I think at first it kind of came out more harshly, like, well, figure it out. Even though I knew I had the answer, I was reluctant to give Mm -hmm. it. I mean, my child was fine. My child was going to be fine. If she was crying, you know, she was going to, he was going to figure out that she needed a bottle, but that's not, that's not really the right approach either being reluctant because there's anger backing that kind of reaction. It's figure it out, you know, but that did help us reset into seeing just how much I was doing coordinating efforts. Even if I wasn't doing the actual task, it is a task to coordinate what and when and how your child is going to be getting the thing that they need. So the second time around, I don't think we really sat down and had a formal conversation, but we had, you know, a year under year and a half under our belt of evolving parenthood together. And so this time around it is, I mean, like last night, Matt picked the kids up from school. I got home like 40 minutes late. I played with the kids while he made dinner. And we got the kids to bed and he did all of the dishes. And some nights that's me and some nights it's divvied up a little more evenly or we're communicating with each other about who's doing what, but it's not, it's really not, I would say there are probably still areas where I'm doing a little more of the coordinating, but that's just the nature of who I am, whether it's motherhood or career or events or that's just what I enjoy. So I would say that is a conversation to think about individually and then discuss as partners before kids if you're able. And if you're in the middle of it, it's something you should do as well. You know, figure out where you're at and what's going on, like actually what's going on beyond that anger, beyond that middle finger that you might be throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> Got to identify it in order to have a productive conversation and really evolve what's going on. And how have you decided who would pick up certain tasks? For example, like if a baby is sick, who's going to stay home and picking up from daycare and that sort of thing and and not feeling like that would jeopardize your job? Yeah. Well, the first time around, I made it very clear that I was not going to be doing pickup and drop off. So Matt, we just, Matt just picked the one. I'm more of a morning person. And so he did daycare drop off and I went into work really early. Like I left the house at 6.30 AM and really never even saw Piper before I left. And then I woke up around 3.34 ish. Um, But I would say to that point, I won't go too far down a rabbit hole, but this time around, I see both kids in the mornings and I'm I'm into work by eight or eight thirty and it is so much better being able to see your family before you start the day. Even if it's a blowout disaster getting out the door. (laughs) Spending that together with the humans that are your everything is it's pivotal in, in your day. So this time around Matt and I and we recently moved cities in Minnesota and so we have a little bit of a different setup. So we kind of alternate now. We wake up and we just kind of see how the morning is going. And Matt takes the bus into the city. I drive into the city. So if we're running a bit late, you know, we both get the kids ready and out the door together. But then I'll take the kids in and he'll pick them up. 
And if we're doing okay on time, he'll usually take them in and then I'll do pickup. And then as far as like other tasks, like cooking and dishes and cleaning the house, we, we split all of that up, not as maybe organized as we could be. It is still pretty spur of the moment, but we just look at the mess and then we tackle it. Okay, I'm doing this, you're doing that. Go. One of us is saying it, right? The only thing that I take full claim on, it's not bottles, but it's pump parts. Mm -hmm. Because if pump parts get put in the dishwasher, they might melt. Yeah. And that's not totally true because last night, actually, Matt washed my pump parts, which is like, the best thing in the world just made me love them <laughs> like the sexiest thing your husband can do. <laughs> but there is something there is like a control factor in in motherhood that we have to let go of and I remember last thing he put the little duck like thing that clips on to one of the parts uh-huh. he put it like where you would like the pole in the drying rack he like stuck this like little one inch rubbery piece all the way down (laughs) and looked at that and like for one second my brain exploded because it was it was the fine way but to me it wasn't the right way and then I just like step back I'm like okay everything's fine (laughs) Matt washed your pump parts for you like this is nothing Yes. Well, that was an amazing amount of self-control and I applaud you for that. (laughs) (laughs) So silly. Oh, that's so funny. I'm getting the sense that it's like just the sense of communication, as long as that's open and you're having conversation and communication about it, it's, it'll all work itself out both maybe if possible before you start the family and then continuing, of course, throughout. Yeah, because even with the best communications and plan before kids, I mean, that can all go to hell yeah, when you absolutely. have them. And it does happen. Even even now, we'll, set, we'll be prepped and set up well. And for whatever reason, it all goes to hell and it's a disaster. And that's kind of where the story ends. And exactly. it's just getting comfortable in accepting that you don't have control over everything. It's getting comfortable in putting accountability back on your partner. And it's getting comfortable, you know, living a life that is full of so much love and life that isn't always tidy. It's like Oscar the Grouch and Sesame Street. (laughs) And learn to like life messy. I love that. (laughs) Oh, this has been so, so informative. I am not in the corporate world, but it's even been informative for me in my life. And I know for sure that this is going to help so many other people. And I'm I'm just so grateful that you were able to take the time on a Saturday morning away from your family. I'm I'm really really grateful. I thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I'm honored that you reached out and and thank you and thank you for what you're creating. This is this is a significant podcast. So, oh, thank you. Of course. You. And I'm as long as it can, you know, help a couple moms out there, I hope it does. So, my very very last question for you and then I'll let you go is my favorite to always ask. And it is, what's something that you would like to tell both of your little kids, your little Piper and little Mason, now for when they're 18? I want to instill in them every day that their success and their worth is not measured by checking boxes 
written by a society that doesn't support all the different paths in life, meaning I want to make sure they know when they're 18 that whatever their that feeling in their chest is that they should be doing, that weight that rests there on your chest, that they take that feeling and they go up. So if that's going to college, two-year, four-year, a trade school, you know, volunteering, doing a combination of all of them or things that I haven't even thought of, I want them to know that they should listen to that feeling they get on their heart and not let it sink down to their gut where it becomes anxiety and unfulfillment, but really take that feeling on their heart and bring it up and lead in this world the best way that they are equipped to and that I love them. Gosh, do I love them. (laughs) That's beautiful. Make sure if you're listening, you go check out on Instagram, the corporate doula. I'll put all of her information in the show notes, but Molly, thank you so, so much for taking this time. I really, really appreciate it. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms, and I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.